0: So, say with me, say with me the fourth dimension of Christmas. Say it again. Say the fourth dimension of Christmas. I want you to stay with me, so I'm going to show you some things out of Scripture and some secrets out of Scripture. Why was I going off on the tangent? Because there's a lot of people in the place today that don't believe in God. You've been told about God. Um, You even might be a professed Christian. But you're not a possessed Christian. You don't possess the Holy Ghost. It's a very dangerous place to be. I've even seen children. You know, you can be on, I, I remember traveling, and you can see how children look like when they are born to an unsaved family. It's horrendous. I mean, our kids were at um, a play, a school play. Um, and I don't think there was one. There might, might have been one other Christian there, only one. And uh, as they were doing the school play, we watched them, and they were the only kids that had smiles on their faces, and that had light. And I'm speaking of the top, top private school. Only kids that have smiles on their faces and light in their eyes, and whose countenance were lifted. Never underestimate a child being brought up in the house of God. Have your children at church. Don't worry about how bad the, the children's church is. It'll get better. And by, if, you, if we get all your money and you take out the second bond on your house and all those things for us to do our projects, okay, you would be amazed how many revivals started when people take bonds out of their houses to come and give. They used revivals all over America, South America, in Asia. They sit with two, three, four properties 10 years later. Because God, you cannot miss God in that area. God, in fact, the word says, test me now in this. But I give my tithe. You know, I get, your tithe is your base. Many, of, many people don't even give their tithe. But your tithe is what belongs to God. It's not even yours. If you want to get into grace giving and be on the New Covenant, we give much more than what is just accumulated to the tithe so so you know uh, uh, when we go when we when we have a new project we obviously the children's church will be phenomenal and uh right now our offices have moved as many of you know so this whole back office is also opening up to a third classroom I think of, of the kids church so we'll have different ages it'll look much better this should be done by end of January or so around there and uh, for the conference so you can bring or even in January in the middle of January because it's a quick thing um, so, so don't let your kids be the reason that you don't come to church are you guys with me my kids don't demand to me what to do. I tell them what to do. Oh, there's no such. And if they don't do what I do, then they can go find another family. And, uh, uh, but I tell them what to do. That is it. And, as long, and never underestimate the anointing that gets into them when they're in an anointed atmosphere. Born to saved parents who actually love God. But if you fake it, Your kids will pick it up. There's nobody as quicker as a child to pick up a date. My parents are a bit of hypocrites. They're not Christians really. At home, it's like hell. On the way to the church, you know, they kick the cat, punch the dog, get into the car. The dad swears at the mom, slap the kids. Just to get to the church. Well, that was the Inche Church that I came out of. Not sure if it is, uh, if it is here. And then I, then I was told by my mom yesterday that uh, apparently in the Inche Church, I couldn't remember that. You would have people going to the houses to pick up the tithes of the people. I thought, dear God, we need to bring that back into the church. I'll send some people. That's actually biblical, by the way. They would go and fetch the money's tithes from the people's houses. It's biblical, okay? So they, they would have a book and they would write the name, how much they are giving. And I'm thinking, where has the church, I never knew that. Where has the church gone from? In America, they do, well, in America, they have systems where they put their names and amounts on so they can claim it back from tax. Uh-huh. And they can, uh, they can also, be, also be blessed and they can know how much they've given and they can hold God accountable. And that is why America is also a blessed nation. If you see the church in America, it's blessed. The people are really, really blessed. South Africa, As a spirit of poverty. I broke free from that spirit. But it was a spirit of poverty on me, my family, everyone that we came out of poverty. Like you cannot believe. It is a curse you can only break by giving. Once you give, you can break that thing. And you don't want to know the amounts that I give. Are you guys with me? Ah, Okay. Before we make you jealous, let's go... um, Let's go on. Just know there's a spiritual law. You can tap into whatever I tap into. And we are in years where God is giving lands and properties to people. If you're not going to catch it, you're not going to catch it. You're not going to receive it. But He's giving lands and properties to people. Are you guys with me? I would be buying property if I'm not doing the project we are doing right now. Well, I'm putting a lot of my personal things and I'll be buying property as much as I can everywhere. Mm. I already have done and already have made plans. That anything is possible. But I also have to put my full focus on the project that is coming because I myself are committed to it. So, um, so that we can have a house of encounter of the glory of God. Are you guys with me? Let's get into it. Isaiah 7 verse 14. I don't want to be long with you, but it's a blessing to be with you on Christmas. And uh, you can go and enjoy. There's no service tonight. We gave you off last night also. You had Christmas Eve last night. Therefore the Lord himself... Listen to this. A prophecy by Isaiah. Thousands of years before the birth of Christ. Listen to this. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the young woman... Who is unmarried and a virgin. So the unmarried and a virgin. Shall conceive and bear, sorry, bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. Imagine the accuracy of this prophecy. Are you guys with me? That he shall be born now. This now, Jesus, when he was born, up to his his resurrection, he fulfilled over three hundred prophecies. Just for one man to fulfil eight prophecies is one to the power of ten, to the one, one out of ten to the power seventeen, which means it is equal to taking a one-dollar silver coin when they still used to have it and put it over Texas. Throw it three meters deep in Texas, over the state of Texas, which is as big as South Africa. And, let, and mark one of those coins and let one man pick a coin out. And if he picks out the right coin, that is the chances for one man to fulfill eight prophecies. Jesus came and fulfilled 300. And we gave a whole illustration that it's all galaxies. You take those coins and you fill it with galaxies and galaxies. And you pick the one right coin. That is the chances. Are you guys with me? It is, there's even prophecies. When the scepter departs, the King and the Messiah shall come. When the scepter of Judah shall depart, then the King and the Messiah shall come. And we see how between Herod, and Herod killed his whole family, was a very horrible man, and how uh, the, uh, the um, uh, certain courts that used to run decisions there that applied the word of God, the scepter, the judgment, the word of God, which was the, which was the uh, priests and Aaron and so on, had no longer decision-making, but the Roman Empire completely taken over. And you see how the... The Jewish leaders and the leaders of the day began to march around the city, crying out and saying, The scepter has departed, but the king is not born yet. And they thought that God's word was broken. But what they didn't know is that somewhere hidden away on that very same day, when they had that mass riot, saying that the scepter had departed and the Bible says the scepter shall not depart unless the Messiah shall come. Are you guys with me? And one place in a barn in Bethlehem the king was born. So that is how meticulous God's word is. That not one of his words shall fall to the ground. So we are speaking as to why is this Bible so authentic? Well, first of all, you cannot get one other religious book that speaks close to this book. I challenge and dare you, if you are baptized with the Holy Ghost, to read this book for 10 minutes every day, one month, and tell me how you feel. But people don't even do it. Because they don't believe in the supernatural. If you do it, you'll have angelic encounters. Oh, You'll have dimensions opening up to you. But you must have the author of this book in your life. Otherwise, it's just a book. You must have the Spirit of God in your life. Are you guys with me? I don't read any other book except this book, really. Everything is in this book. Everything. Where we are going is in here. Where we have been is in here. Every life you have lived is in Your name is found in here. One day I'll preach about prophetic names. Every man that had an encounter with God, God changed their name to the name that they actually have in heaven. So if you have Judas, we change your name on that day when we preach. Are you guys with me? I don't like the name Lucian, but we'll, we'll, we'll let it uh, slide. But uh, there's power in a name. Because your name is your identity. Jacob's name meant the deceiver. That's why God had to change his name to Israel. To say you are not a deceiver Jacob. You are a prince with God. And from that day he stopped being cheated. And he was changed completely. And he understood his identity and received a blessing from God. Everything is in a name. Say with me, a name. Yeah, Isaiah saying, Emmanuel shall his name be. God with us. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Say with me, Emmanuel. It's no longer God up there. It is God with us. Everything about the Christmas story is that God is no longer a God that cannot be found. It is a God that is with us. That the veil has been torn. Ah, you don't pray anymore and say, God, please, if you can hear my prayer, can you do this? No, 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 no. Now you begin to answer your own prayers. You say, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. It is Christ in us. The hope of glory. Mm. The whole scene changed. Christ's whole purpose for coming to earth was not to die on the cross for you. Sins that's secondary, it's to make you like Him. It's to adopt you You have the created sons of God, the begotten son of God, and then you have the adopted sons of God. Who are the created sons of God? Lucifer was one of them. Are you guys with me? Many other sons of God there were who ruled possibly planets or dimensions or worlds or nations or galaxies. Then you have the created, the begotten Son, Jesus was the only begotten Son of the Father. Then you have adopted sons, who we are. We are adopted and then we became begotten by Christ. So when he died, he came so that he was the firstborn among many brethren, not the onlyborn, but the first. And then others will come after him that will look like him. And the Bible says that when we see him, we will realize that we have always been just like him. That as he is now in heaven, so are we in this world. That is why I'm saying he has given you power to take over. He has given you power to have dominion. He has given you the anointing to make it in the workplace. He has given you the anointing to make it in business. All you need is revelation and the favor of God upon your life. And to have this revelation, you have to sit under revelation. But it comes by relationship. Are you guys with me? So what did I do? I for, th- for a few years, I locked myself in my room. And I just sought Him. I was a mess. If I have to, one day I will show a photo if I could find it. How I looked like when I just got saved. To how I looked a few years after. I could see in a mirror there was no glory on me. I could see in a mirror the light of my countenance was not there. In a physical mirror. And I began to seek Him. Because the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So I began to seek Him with everything in me. Fasted, prayed, fasted on water. People laughed at me. People didn't understand. They did the same to Jesus. I'm going to explain to you the hidden years, the silent years of Jesus' life. It is in the Bible. Many, a whole psalm full of it, of the silent years the hidden years, what happened to him as a child. And I began to seek him and seek him and seek him until I had encounters. Because it is only an encounter that can change you. It is only an encounter that when you behold the glory you are changed into that same image of that glory. That you can say my eyes have beheld the glory of the Lord. But there are people sitting here whose lives are not right with God because you are a professed Christian only and not a possessed Christian. It's a very dangerous place to be, it's a religious place to be. Maybe you come because your parents said you have to come. Have an encounter with Him. It is not about what you do or what you don't do, it's about putting your faith in Him. And God looks for hearts. Do you know I've seen children, as I said earlier, who doesn't have light on them. And I'm still in a battle with the Lord regarding some things, regarding where do those children go. I know the children belongs to the Lord. But then you see the stark difference between children that are with saved families and children that are not with saved families. There's an anointing. Listen to me. Your children watches you. They don't listen. They watch. They watch everything that you do. They watch if you pray. They watch if you worship God. They watch if you speak about God or not. They watch everything. They watch if you reach out to people. They watch how you treat people. They watch how you treat your wife. They watch how you treat your husband. They watch how you treat them. They watch everything and what happens? They become what they behold. Are you guys with me? So you beat up your wife. You're raising a wife beater. You're abusing people. You're raising abusers. They watch. They see things that you don't even know that they're seeing. That is why Christmas is so important. I'm going to explain to you everything what is in a name. But let me just, let's just get into some things. Don't worry. It's not a long message. It's really not a long message. I'm just having a conversation with you. Uh, But say with me the Magi. So we have the story of the Magi coming, and I just want to give you some interesting facts of who Jesus really was. Do you know Herod was not supposed to be king? Jesus was supposed to be king. So, in fact, Jesus was was so on point with his lineage that Matthew and Luke... Point, and Luke went from Adam, I believe. Matthew didn't go from Adam. Matthew went from Abraham, I believe. But they could go from Matthew and Matthew and Luke could go every line, lineage of Jesus. This one begot that, Which was required in those days to prove your royalty. And David being the king of the Jews, of the Israelites. Are you guys with me of the nation of Israel? He shall come out of the lineage of David. And it is proven that he comes out of the lineage of David. So he was the right full king in that place. And in that story, if we read somewhere in Matthew or Luke about the lineage, it says this one begot that one begot this one. Abraham begot uh, Isaac begot this one begot that one. But you never see women names except for four women. I'm not going to get into it right now. You see a woman by the name of Tamar who was raped by a brother. Am I right? Tamar. Then the second woman you see that is sort of mentioned men, 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 men. And then it says this one begot Tamar and Tamar begot this one. You're like, but why is Tamar all of a sudden there? Then number two, the second one you see mentioning is Rahab, which the Bible calls the prostitute. Are you guys with me? Then there's more women. I'm not going to get into it. But the four women that is mentioned is women that had a past that would completely write them off. By society, by the law. Yet Jesus chose in his royal lineage and genealogy to mention only their names. And even in the book of faith, it doesn't say Rahab. It says Rahab the prostitute. Are you guys with me? That somehow that we can understand the message of grace, that God doesn't look for a perfect person. He's looking for somebody that has weaknesses, that has no abilities, that has messed up, that has a messed up mind, but their heart is saying, God, I want to be used by you. I give my life completely to you. It is that one that God uses. No one said I'm going to be used by God. So when the Maga, I need you to understand that. So Jesus was the rightful heir to the throne. Herod stole the throne. Herod was a... Was a uh, old school Biden. Or a... You know. I don't really have a... Have a example in South Africa. But... uh, um, He stole the throne. And when the Magi came, the Magi were king-makers. Some traditions say that they were kings. That developed a bit later on with the Armenianism that uh, by the 7th century they began to say that that they were actually kings coming. But the actual original earlier manuscripts and information that we have is that they were king-makers. So they would come with wise men. Not one or two or three. They would come in troops of thousands. And the moment they enter a country, they rule and take over that country. That's, that's a given. So they would come in with thousands of troops, bearing many gifts, not three gifts. The Bible only spoke of three gifts that mainly stood out. But they brought a king's bounty to make someone a king. And when they came to Herod, they say, where is he, the king of the Jews? So you must understand what fear Herod went into. Because Herod knew he stole the throne. Herod knew he deceivingly occupied the throne. And somewhere is born the actual lineage. And if people find it out, they're going to make him king. They're going to give him the king's bounty. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. And that is what the Jews were waiting for. They were waiting for the Messiah to come from the throne of David to set up a physical rule. That's why his disciples couldn't understand. They're like, but you, when every time they said, you are the king, set up your rule, they actually physically meant it. Are, are you guys with me? Or am I losing you? So Jesus didn't come as this poor, small, little, weak, little. No. He was filthy rich from the age of two. The wise men reached him at the age of two. And he had a minimum of 14 million, minimum conservative, given gifts of 14 million US dollars. So one person uh, argued, a theologian, we're friends right now, but argued and said that... uh, No, 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 but they went to do a poor man's offering, a dove offering. That was before the Magi came, not after. That was when they didn't have money yet. They were poor. Only afterwards did the Magi come with a king's bounty, which was the same if you see Solomon... Receiving Queen Sheba. Are you guys with me? She brought with her, I don't know how much, but let's say 140 million, I don't know, ships of gold. She brought with her from a place called Ethiopia. Am I right? She came from Ethiopia to him. So she came to Solomon to bring him, because he was king, to bring him ships to have 30 minutes of his time just for wisdom and counseling. But the Bible says... Greater than Solomon is here and greater than Solomon is coming. That is why the wise man had to come from Ethiopia to Jesus. The same like Sheba came from Ethiopia, Queen of Sheba came from Ethiopia to Solomon. Because the greater than Solomon was born. Now if he's greater than Solomon, imagine the king's bounty and the treasure that he received. So you never served a poor Jesus. You served a Jesus that was a royalty, clothed in royalty. Why do you think he wore royal clothes? Because he knew he was a king. That is why Pilate put on his cross, king of the Jews. Because he rightfully saw him as a king. Are you guys with me? Have your seats. Have your seats. So I want you to understand and grasp the Christmas story a bit different. I want you to understand truth in this thing. So if Jesus came in as wealthy as that, that he could feed 15,000 people without blinking an eye before he did the miracle, he's like, I'm not going to use my personal money on this. Okay. He had the money to do it. His disciples said, uh, Master, should we go to the market to go buy them all food? Like, as if it's like, let's buy 15,000 people food. So, you survey God that when He reached out to Abraham, He made Abraham so rich that the kings wanted him out of the country. That his son Isaac was so rich that the kings wanted him out of the country. Are you guys with me? You survey God... That everything He touches and His glory touches, He blesses. That is why in the moment He touches you, you will have financial breakthrough. I know the stuff in South Africa. But as long as the earth is here, sea time and harvest remain. So as long as the earth is here, Sowing and reaping remains. Show me a generous person, I show you a rich person. I'm going to say it again. Show me a generous person, and I'll show you a wealthy person, or I'll show you a person that is going to enter into wealth, because it is a physical impossibility to be generous and the market not to pay you back. And I'm not speaking about a in rent, two rent, three rent, five rent offering, Have your seats. Are you guys with me? So the Magi came. They They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That is fine. There was much more gifts. But they gave him that which represents his prophet, priest, and kingship. And then we see Isaiah 60 verse 6 speaking again that they shall bring frankincense and incense to him. But it leaves out the word myrrh. Because this is speaking about in the millennium, later on in the millennium, where he is ruling and reigning, that they give him frankincense and incense and not myrrh, because myrrh speaks of the cross and it was already been happening. Are you guys with me? So, as we just touch on the Magi, I want to go a little bit further. So, Thousands, So of you, thousands. Thousands came. Now, let me show you out of Scripture how scared the city were. Let's go to Matthew 2, verse 1. Matthew 2, verse 1. I need to hurry up. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, alt, now, after Jesus was born, put in the King James, was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, Saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen this. Where, the where is he? Remember that. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now imagine, thousands of troops are standing in front of Herod and saying, We're looking for the new king. For we have seen his star in the east and I'll come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem was troubled with him. So the old Jerusalem. Listen, there's no way a whole city will be troubled if there's not a genuine shift of kings that is supposed to take place. They knew there was a king in the city that was born. In the culture and in those days, when a king was announced or to be found, a city will go on standstill. I don't know if you guys hear what I'm saying. Herod was not really seen as king of the Jews. And he knew that he worked himself into that. Are you guys with me? The first question in the New Testament, the troops are asking, where is he that is born king of the Jews? The first question in the Old Testament in Genesis, God said, Adam, where are you? So the first question In the Bible is related to Adam. The first question in the New Testament is related to the last Adam, which is Jesus. Are you guys with me? Let's go to Matthew 2 verse 4. Matthew 2 verse 4. We'll be quickly. Matthew 2 verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And so he's now demanding he wants to know where Christ is. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet. In Bethlehem. Imagine this. Are you guys with me or are you distracted? Don't be a Christmas Christian today, okay? <laughs> Don't be distracted. Don't let your, you can go home right now. What I'm, I'm going to give you a great blessing with this message. I give you a revelation here. They prophesied Bethlehem. What's his name? Herod studied his prophecies more than what believers study their prophecies today. Herod knew what to do with prophecy more than what believers know what to do with prophecy. And though Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Go with you to Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2. I want to show you how this was prophesied in Micah 5.2. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be a ruler in Israel, Who's going forth have been from old, from everlasting. So Micah was prophesying the preeminent one, the Christ. This is what made Herod nervous. Herod knew the prophecies. He knew one is coming out of Bethlehem that is gonna rule the nation of Israel, and he's going to be the actual ruler. Are you guys with me? So let's go to Matthew two eleven. Matthew 2, 11. And when they were coming to the house, so with the house. So now it's already two years later. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, treasures. These are, these are many wise men accompanied by thousands of troops. Why the thousands of troops? To protect the treasures they were carrying. And they could go and establish and make a king. They presented unto him gifts. And the Bible tells us gold and frankincense and myrrh. So gold speaks of his deity. Frankincense speaks of his priestly deities. And myrrh speaks about his ointment for burial. This is why I said earlier when he speaks about his coming again. That they shall bring him frankincense and incense but not myrrh. Because there's no more bitterness. There's no more burial that was passed. That is what the book of Isaiah tells us. Now then there's a star. Say with me a star. Go there to Genesis 1 verse 14. Genesis 1 verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons. So with me signs. And for seasons and for the days and for the years. Now, many astronomers, I don't believe fully in this regard, but many astronomers say that it was something to do with Kepler uh, that was aligned up uh, and then it showed that morning star. But the problem with that is that this was 7 BC, seven years before his birth. And that couldn't have been aligned for seven years. So I'm not fully on that explanation. What I believe the star of Bethlehem was, is, and it's not anymore, is uh, I know some say it comes and go, but they're looking at Kepler, which is a different, total different something else. But uh, it is so with you, the Shekinah glory. The Bible also said that his angels, who were like morning stars, sang at the creation of this world. So, the morning star, the brighter morning star, this was an angel in the Shekinah glory of God standing like this. Over Bethlehem where he is about to be born. And an angel is there for direction to Shekinah glory. God did it with a pillar of fire. He did it with the flames at Pentecost. He did it at a burning bush. He did it at the Abrahamic covenant. He did it at creation where the spirit brooded over the waters. So it is simply an angel of the Lord and the Holy Spirit that is hovering like a star over Jesus. Are you guys with me? To point towards him. That is why we don't see it happening here. But say with me the silent years. So now he's born, he's two years old. So I want us to go to the silent years of Christ. Almost done, I want to just get into this because it'll bless you. The silent years of Christ. So Jesus said these words. He said that the Psalms spoke about him. So if you want to read about him, read the Psalms. David was so into the uh, prophetic That he even did imprecatory prayers where it spoke directly of the crucifixion as if he was experiencing it right there. And then we read it and we apply that to our lives because we don't know Bible. It's like, oh, I'm going to be betrayed by my brothers because David says I was betrayed. No, 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 he's speaking about Jesus. Anyway, Luke 24 verse 44. And he said unto them, 24 verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms, concerning me. So if I want to read about Christ, I go read what was written in the law of Moses. I go read the prophets, and I go read the Psalms. Psalm 40 verse 7. Psalm 40 verse 7. Listen to this. Then said I... Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. What is he saying? He says, in the volume of the book of Psalms, it is written about me. So when I come, you must know it's already been written. Everything, why did Jesus do everything meticulously? He had to fulfill scripture. Are you guys with me? He had to be the one that scripture spoke about. If he didn't, he, God would be a liar. So Psalm 22 speaks about the crucifixion and so on. But I want us to touch on Psalm 69, which speaks about Jesus' early life. It speaks about His dark days in Nazareth, the rejection He has gone through, how His brothers treated Him. Let me read you something. Let's go to Psalm 69 verse 6. Psalm 69 verse 6. People are like, but what has this got to do with Christmas? We'll get there. Psalm 69 verse 6. Listen to this. We hear the prayer of a young man that is being rejected, that is being hated. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, I had all my friends turn on me. I had my friends mocking me. I had my friends insulting me. People I loved that just didn't understand because why? They were not saved. Their minds would still darken. The Bible says when we are not saved as Gentiles, we are a reprobate given over, and then until God grants us repentance. So there's no such thing, I'm a Christian, you know, because I'm, I'm born in a Christian home. You're not a Christian because you're born in a Christian home. You're a Christian because you encounter Christ by faith, and His grace gen- genuinely changes your life from being a professed Christian. So we have this epidemic in South Africa where we say that, you know, I'm a Christian because I'm born, I went to the in here church or this or that. No, you're not a Christian. Actually, you're in a cult. This thing where they're saying that we are cults, is a blow of nonsense. You want to know what a cult is? Let's begin to touch into the three sister karka. Or is that what they call it? The three sister churches. And let's begin to touch into Freemasonry. And let's begin to touch into those things. Then you will know why we do deliverance of the people that's gone through Catholicism. Okay. Psalm 69, because you're literally making an oath towards an organization, an institution. Psalm 69 verse 6, listen to this. So you see a young man here. So this is about the hidden years of Christ. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord, God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be to confound it for my sake, O God of Israel. Verse 7. Because for thy sake I have become a reproach, a shame, and shame has covered my face. Jesus speaking about His earlier years. He says, I have become a stranger unto my brothers. Now listen to this. And an alien, say with me an alien, unto my mother's children. Now this phrase confused a lot of scholars. Because his mother's children are supposed to be his brothers. But because he said, I have become an alien to my mother's children. is is validating the virgin birth. Saying that his brothers is not his real brothers. They are his half brothers. They come, their father is Joseph, the physical one. But Jesus' father is the father in heaven. Are you guys with me? So he says, my brothers are aliens to me. And when I try to seek you, I get a reproach. They insult me. And what happened with Jesus was his brothers and others were mocking him, saying that you were born from another father or your mother committed adultery. And this story began to spread. I'm going to prove it to you out of Scripture. Are you guys with me? So let's go to Mark chapter number 6 verse 3. Mark 6 verse 3. Mark 6, verse 3. I'm almost done. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simeon, and are not his sisters here with us? So, Jesus had four brothers and sisters. He had four brothers and at least two sisters. There were seven children, but he was the only one that was pure in his blood. Are you guys with me? Born from a virgin. And Jesus began to take his father's trade called a carpenter. That's why he was called a carpenter. That's why he was also called the carpenter's little boy. Let's go to Psalm 69 again, verse six. I'm going back and forth between Psalm 69. So don't worry about that. I'm just going to show you how Scripture predicts. 69 verse six. 69 verse nine, 69, verse nine. Listen to this: "For the zeal of thy house has eaten me up. Say the zeal of my house has eaten me up." And the reproaches of them that reproach me have fallen upon me. He says, I've been persecuted because I have a zeal for your house. Now let's look at the New Testament. Let's go John 2 verse 14. Uh, Is everybody with me still? John 2 verse 14. And found in the temple... Those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the change and money changes and so on. And when he had made a scorch of small courts, he uh, he made a whip and he drove them all out of the temple. And the sheep and the oxen and poured out and the money changes. He overthrew the tables. He beat them. Now listen to this. And he said unto them, sold doves. He says, take these things out of my father's house. For my father's house is not a house of merchandise. It is a house of prayer. Listen to verse 17. Listen to this. And his disciples remembered that it was written the zeal of your house has eaten me up so what was Jesus doing when he was making that whip he was fulfilling prophecy that the Psalms forespoke about him saying that he will be eaten up by the zeal so he knew there was a passion in him from a young child Are you guys with me? So the disciples knew that the whole Psalm of 69, 69 Psalm, spoke about Jesus' life. Now listen, I'm going to go a little bit on further. In Psalm 69 verse 10, 69 verse 10, listen to this. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. We see here that Jesus didn't only fast in the wilderness. He fasted even when he was younger as a child. When he would fast or weep, his brothers would come and ridicule him. They would insult him. Whenever he would try to be spiritual, they would say, you can't do that because you came out of adultery. You are an embarrassment and a shame. And in fact, the Bible calls him a proverb. And he became a proverb. Listen to this. Go to verse 11. Next next verse. Listen to this. I made sackcloth also my garments, and I became a proverb. Say with me a Proverb. I became a proverb to them. A proverb means there was a gossip tale that went around. That whenever somebody would look at Jesus, they would say, you see, he is the pavement special. He is the, um, he is the illegitimate one. You know the small towns 40 years ago, if you got pregnant, you weren't married? You were known about it. The whole town knew about it. You were rejected. You were looked upon. When you walk in town, imagine in a place like Nazareth. Whenever Jesus walked, they had a proverb saying, "The one who came out of adultery, the one whom his mother went and cheated on, then lied about it, not wanting to tell everybody, saying it's the Holy Ghost." And uh, 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 then he became. Then, then he was born out of that. So Jesus, with that shame, walked on him from a childhood. Are you guys with me? You might think this is boring, but I'm giving you the silent years of Christ. We see this even where, uh, go with me to, to, to John 8 verse 41. Listen to this. John 8 verse 41. John 8 verse 41. You do the deeds of your father, It is standing the Pharisees. Then said they to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one Father, even God. Listen to me. The Pharisees knew Him because He studied to become a priest. Are you guys with me? And a rabbi. So they knew about Him. So they said, listen, we are not the ones who are born in fornication. You are the one. You are the one who was born in fornication. That's why Jesus went on, jump to verse 44 for me. This is where he rebuked them. And he said, you are of the father, the devil. Don't tell me your father is God. You might say, I come out of fornication. You are of the father, your devil. And the lust of your father, you will do. Do you know that when you're demon-possessed or oppressed or obsessed, why do you think you battle with lust? Or why do you think you battle with Pornography, addiction. Because that spirit once had a body. And that body once did those things. So once that spirit came out of that body, which happened at the, at the flood of Noah, and the pre-ademic flood, by the way, that, body, that spirit no longer had a body and became a disembodied spirit. Are you guys with me? So demons are not fallen angels, they are disembodied spirits who once had hunger appetites, who once had sexual activity, who once had lust, who once had addictions, smoking, drinking, doing a lot of things, murder. So the moment the spirit of murder comes upon somebody, what do they want to do? They go beyond their senses. And the spirit now wants to do what it used to do you guys with me? And then Christians toy around and play around with these things or think it's not real. No, no, no. That disembodied spirit is looking for a body to come in. When it finds a body, it brings the personality, the addictions, everything that it used to have in its previous life when it had its body. It brings into that person. That is why we call it uncontrollable urges. Are you guys with me? Like, I I don't know. I I just, I I don't want to do it, but I keep doing it. It's an uncontrollable urge. I'm not speaking of the flesh. I'm speaking of a demonic entity now. Because that demon needs to feed itself. So that is why Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And the lusts of your father, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And that's why they murdered Jesus. I don't know if you guys are with me. Because they had the spirit of murder upon them. Listen to me. A religious spirit is a spirit of murder. Yes. The roots of a religious spirit is a spirit of murder. If you are religious, what is the religious? You're sitting here and you're judging me. You're just judging me. You're saying, but why is this church like this? Oh, I know all of this. You're looking at somebody, you think you're better than them. There's a self-righteousness that's coming out. Or you come out of a place of just traditions. You think your life is right with God because you are a good person. No good person goes to heaven. And no bad person goes to hell. So many people, how many times have I heard people say, you know, I'll come back to church. I just need to sort myself out. You're going to try to sort yourself out till you're 70. You come to the church to get cleaned out, delivered out. You are full of pride. You think still you need to serve a God who wants your good. You don't know God. Salvation doesn't come that way. The fact that I have a savior means that I have no action in the process. I have no interaction. There's nothing I can do of him. He comes as a savior. He gives me grace at that moment. It is a grace that, you know, the day I was in a drug den when I got saved, When they laid hands on me and the power of God came upon me and I knocked over. I sat on the floor shaking. I went back home that night with a voice in me. Immediately beginning to console and speak to me to say that I'm a child of God. A voice continually telling me I love you. I have something great for you. Listen to me. If you are a true Christian, the Bible says my sheep hear my voice. And my sheep knows my voice. People don't hear His voice because they might not be His. Come, for all the... Are you guys with me? So what are the signs that you are saved? You will hear His voice. Clear as day clear, I'm not speaking of visions, I'm not speaking of dreams, I'm speaking clear as day you will drive and a voice will say to you, stop now and you stop and all of a sudden an accident happens you'll go somewhere and a voice will guide you, not just that, you have the spirit that bears witness with your spirit that you are saved you know, not by intellectual knowledge, but in here the Holy Spirit witness with your spirit that you are saved You have no desire for sinning anymore. You love the fellowship of the brethren. The Bible says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We love the church. We love those who are saved. We can no longer hang around with those who are unsaved. Everything in us want to be where light is. So when I got saved off the drug dealer, my ex-drug dealer laid hands upon me as a drug addict, the first thing I wanted to do was to hang out with Christians. Nobody told me these things. It was the spirit of God that was genuinely inside of me. And there are many that do not have genuine salvation. Listen to me now and listen, careful. It's called mass, it's called mannequin Christianity. It looks like a Christian from far. But when you come like a little come stand. Stand like a mannequin. <laughs> looks like worship. Looks like a Christian from far. He raises his hands in worship in church. He says he's a Christian. I come close, I'm like, oh wow, it's a Christian. Wow. And I move away. But now I go closer and I go deeper. Every, I mean, the clothes are real. The smile is real. The hands are raised. But the moment I poke, I see it's plastic. So I don't see life. I see it's plastic, which means it's pretense. Many pretenders in the church today, you need a savior. You try to save yourself, you cannot save yourself. You try to be good, no good person goes to heaven. A saved person goes to heaven. You can be as good and good, and your good works are like filthy rags before the Lord. I do this and I realize he's a mannequin Christian. He falls within Matthew 7, 21, where Jesus said, I would never knew you because I never had that genuine grace that changed that heart instantly. Yes, mine happened at a a prayer of salvation, but you don't necessarily need to do a prayer of salvation, but you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And your faith cannot be in the prayer of salvation. Your faith has to be in the blood and in Jesus Christ and in His Holy Spirit. And if it's done Genuinely, His Holy Spirit will come into you. So it is God with us. So He will become Emmanuel. This is the Christmas gift. This is the Christmas message. It is Emmanuel, God with us. So now you no longer pray to a God in heaven. Have your seats. You no longer pray to a God in heaven. sitting in your room and you're praying it feels like oh my prayers are just hitting your roof yeah because you don't understand who you are he's in us the hope of glory Christ in us the hope of glory now I understand my new creation identity but I can only have a new identity if I'm genuinely truly saved so what also I'll hear his voice I'll know his voice I'll genuinely hear his voice I can see when somebody genuinely hears his voice then I'll receive the discipline of God, meaning I go, I pick up a beer, whether you believe alcohol is right or wrong, and I'm in a nightclub with my friends, I'm already feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I'm in this thing and I pick up a drink and I begin to drink and I drink a bit too much and, and I'm in this nightclub and I hear a voice or a conviction or this pain saying, I, this life is not for you. Or you shouldn't be here. What are you doing? If I don't have that... I am not a Christian. My salvation was never true. Because the Bible says that God disciplines His own. An illegitimate child, He does not discipline. I don't discipline your children. They're not my children. So when I receive the discipline of God, it means that I'm His child. It is a sign of salvation. Are you guys with me? So that is when you know that transformation had fully taken place. So... And then obviously loving the brethren, loving fellowship, loving church. The next thing I wanted to do, I just wanted to be. I didn't want to be with my old friends. I just wanted to be with Christians. I wanted to be at a home cell. I wanted to be with. I just wanted to read scripture. Be with. And all I wanted to talk about was the things of God. But people have grown cold. They've either grown cold or they have professed Christianity and not possessed it. Are you guys with me? Are you guys with me? So we see how Jesus was rejected, how He was rejected by everyone, even when He was a child. So there is something, who is He really? I'll close with this. Give me five minutes. Isaiah 9 verse 6. Let's close with this. Isaiah 9 verse 6. I want to tell you what was locked up in the Christmas gift given to you. And what is this thing? We are not thinking of a baby Jesus. Because the Bible is saying, for unto us a child is born. Say a child is born. But a son is given, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name, say with me, his name, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, say with me, peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice and henceforth forever and ever. The zeal of the Lord's hosts will perform this. So the child unto us, a child is born. The child is human. But a son is given. The son is divine. So it is first the human and then it is the divine. Are you guys with me? So what is his name? Say with me his name. What is it that... Jesus' lineage so clearly he was supposed to be king and not Herod. But it was the Roman Empire that overthrew the Jewish uh, uh, setup, And they established for themselves kings. So when Jesus was born, he was the actual king. That people and even the king makers came with gifts and give it to him. Why? He had favor of God upon him. And the favor of man. Get your child into a spiritual church. Don't come to church without your child. He's not going to die if he stays here for an hour later because the service is an hour later. He's safe. Don't, you know, some newly born, some young pair? oh no, you know, we're not, we decided we're not going to bring our baby for the first six months to church because it's going to get germs. Shut up. Just say you found an opportune way to backslide and to be lukewarm. Noise does nothing to a baby's ears. Do you know it? Because they're not fully developed yet. Noise does nothing to a baby's ears. In a church setting, white noise. I'm speaking. The presence of God is here. Our kids was from the first Sunday in church, from the first Sunday. What germs? They need to get germs yes. to grow. So th- let them be under the anointing. Do you know what it means for a child if they grow up under the anointing, even if they're sitting on the floor, but they see the power of God, they see miracles. They see healings, they see prophecy, or they get into kids' church, and even especially when we're beginning to get into our next project, we will be able to train kids and disciple kids and let them be leaders and let them lay hands fully because now we don't fully have those space and capabilities, but let your child be in a spiritful place. Make a decision to say that, you know, from the beginning of this new year, it's me and my house in this church, and don't let it fade out by... End of January, it fade out. No, make a year commitment. Make a year commitment and say, you know, for one, well, you should be for life commitment, but for those who it is too much, but start off and saying, the first Sunday of January, it's me and my house and my kids. You will see, when the anointing comes upon your child, you'll see such a difference. Get his unsaved friends from school to your house and see how they look like. Are you guys with me? And get them and pray that they have an encounter with God. This is the Christmas gift. Say with you, Wonderful Counselor. So the first name that, that it says, His name shall be Wonderful Counselor. The word Wonderful Counselor simply means Holy Spirit. It's the Extraordinary Strategist. Are you guys with me? It makes you distinct. It makes him meaning that He's the best Counselor there is. Then it says, Mighty God. Say with Him, Mighty God. Meaning he's Al Gibor, he is the Father, so he is the Holy Spirit, and he is the Father. Al Gibor, the strong, the mighty, the warrior. Are you guys with me? And then number three, it says he is the everlasting father. So the everlasting father. We'll close with this. It means that he's the father of eternity. The father of eternity. Meaning Jesus was the one who gave birth to eternity. Meaning you can only find eternal life through the one called Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one can come to the Father except by me. That is it. He is the father of eternity. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Father of eternity. Are you guys with me? Father of eternity means the son. So we see the Holy Spirit. We see the father. We see the son. And the fourth one is saying prince of peace. So the prince of peace which means shalom, it means completeness. Now let me just explain this, that He is the Prince of Peace. If you understand the Trinity and the Christmas gift, one of the first things that comes to you in your house is peace. What is peace? It means completeness, soundness. Hmm. It means wealth, prosperity, and health. It means happiness. Are you guys with me? It means that when the peace of God is on you, you know, I live in the peace of God. Why? Because when God visits a man, We discussed, we said the spirit of prayer, there's a desire that comes in you. Then the spirit of prayer comes upon you. And after the spirit of prayer comes upon you, you begin to pray and seek Him. And then the next thing that happens is a force field comes around you. You carry the cloud of God. Everything that is thrown against you is turned for the good. Doesn't matter. Now you begin to walk in, you begin to walk in the blessing of God, the irreversible blessing, and then you become the blessing. But what happens is because God visited me and I embraced that moment, and I sought him, I seek first the kingdom of God. I don't care about work, I don't care about this, I don't care, the the thing that the one who gives me my job, I now wanna put fifth place or sixth place. Never miss the favor, you can lose your job, but if you have the favor of God, you get another one like this, a better one like this. Lose anything except the favor of, Job lost everything. Except the favor of God. He even lost his family. God says, no, what, I'll give you a new family. They died. It's okay. You're going to have new ones. As long as you have favor with me. I can make you so wealthy. I can make you so blessed. I can give you so many children. I can give you properties all over. While the unsaved person is trying to strive and work and serve a Babylon God working for money becoming a slave to money but the one who has shalom over them the peace shalom is a covering it goes like this upon a person the the pictorial image is a mantle and a dead earth a shalom it's a covering it means you and your house has the peace of God's Nothing can come against you. It's a force field. Anything that wants to penetrate through that, that is meant for bad, is turned for your good. You go to bed with no anxiety. You wake up with no anxiety. The peace of God, the Bible says the God of peace, shall shortly crush Satan under our feet. And it happened at the moment of your salvation. Satan was crushed under the peace of God's feet are you guys with me shall be crushed under your feet are you guys with me say with the peace so the first thing that Christmas brings is peace mm. let's go let's go let's go let's go are you guys with me Let me read, I'll close with this verse, okay? I'll close with this verse. Luke 2 verse 8, then we want to give um, just some vouchers and take up an offering. And I want you in your heart to already begin to set upon a mount you want to bless the Lord with for His birthday. You know, He's the only one that doesn't receive gifts on His birthday because Everybody else gives everyone. Imagine you're getting to your house, your birth, and everybody's buying gifts for everybody else. And you're like, I thought I'm the one that, is, that it was birthday it is. I mean, just, just a thought. So the Bible says that when we give to man, on earth man receives tithes, but in heaven he receives it. So if you want to give him a gift, God says give it to men here on the earth, especially his ecclesia, The system that has been put in. And when I give there, it's like giving Jesus. Our kids from a young age, no tithing, no giving, everything. Sometimes they want to give all their pocket money. Knowing that God is going to bless them. It is why we're putting it into them at that age already. That they can have the peace of God, the prosperity of God. Because Christian, listen, when you are, I am sometimes a little bit like, ah, like god it's unfair that I'm the first generational preacher or so but once you get into 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 or spirit-filled, a spirit-filled believer and i mean obviously my family got saved and so on but i was the first generational spirit-filled believer so you kind of like pioneer away Many of you are blessed, you are third or fourth generation, or many of you have businesses, and you, you can say it is because of God, because you got brought up in it. But when you get brought up, not in a place of being spirit filled, you don't know anything, your mind is darkened. So when you start this way, your kids, the next generation, the generation thereafter, the prosperity of God will rest upon them. The hand of God will simply, because you served God with a passion. So a lot of people want to put retirement things away for their kids or inheritance. No, no, no. The best thing you can do is be a praying mother and a father and serving God passionately that your kids can see. Do you know what an insult it is for kids to want to come to church but their parents don't want to come to church? Oh, we have it a lot because of the whole in crowd and then we begin to be called cults by the in here kids, our parents whose kids come to our church and saying that we brainwash them here and this and that and blah, 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 blah. Listen, I know what it is to be saved. Be a parent that is saved and on fire and you can birth and give birth to a generation of the generation. The Bible says His blessing goes a thousand generations. But his curse only goes four generations. So are you guys with me? Let me close with this. Luke 2 verse 8. Luke 2 verse 8. And in the vicinity there were shepherds living. I put it in the amplified amplified version. There were shepherds, 11 shepherds living out under the open sky in the field, watching in shifts over their flock by night. I'll be quick. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone all about them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news. Say with me good news. Say it again. Say good news. Say grace. That's what Paul came. He said, I came to give you the gospel of grace. So the angel said, I come to give you good news. Number one, great joy. Say with me great joy. Come on, you look like you need great joy. You are so. I, I, I like Leon will be joyful when the message is over. Relax. I have the microphone. Uh, great joy. So what does, I'm, I'm telling you, what does Christmas give you? Say within great peace. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Say great, say good news. Say great joy which will come to all the people for to you is born this day in the town of David a Savior who is Christ the Messiah the Lord and this will be a sign for you by which you will recognize him you will find after searching a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger that suddenly there appeared with an angel an army of the troops of heaven a heavenly knighthood praising God and saying glory to God in the highest in the heaven and on earth peace say with me peace among men with whom he is well pleased men of good will of his favor listen to me the christmas message is this that is good news of grace it is great joy so the great joy and it is peace to all men meaning that before the cross there was and before christ was born there was no peace after christ There was peace. God's anger and wrath ceased upon the cross towards sin. Meaning he's no longer upset with you about a sin. But for you to tap into it, you have to believe unto him. Are you guys with me? Romans 14 verse 17. We close with this verse. Romans 14 verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat. Romans 14 verse 17. In the New King, uh, King James is fine. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but right. Say with you, righteousness, good news, grace. What is the good news? That you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you guys with me? So the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace. Timothy, peace. And joy in the Holy Ghost. And he's saying this is the message of Christmas. That I have come to bring you the grace of God. That you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you believe on Him and if you have accepted Him and have genuine salvation, you receive righteousness. You receive peace. You receive joy. Listen to me. There can be people with multi-millions out there. And they have no peace in their families. Come on. We visit people. They have no peace. The kids fight this one. this. I've visited a family that it was unbelievers and atheists. The mother called me to go there in America, very wealthy family, wealthy, probably a $5 million house, really wealthy. And I go in and she takes me up to the rooms and show these ax holes in the wall and ax holes in the door. She said, my son tried to kill my sister with an ax. My other son hung himself, this, that. He says, I don't have answers. I said, you need one answer. I said, you need Jesus in your family. There are an atheist weeping in tears wanting to write me out a check of $10,000, just like that. We were praying because the family were getting delivered. As we're praying, the daughter came in, began to cry and weep in the house. Are you guys with me? You can have everything or seek money and have everything. If you don't have peace, You don't have peace.